0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Well, it it made me realize that you've also got to have a level of enjoyment through your life as well, because you never know um, what, what may happen to you.
0: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shump and in this episode, we're speaking with financial strategist Matthew Sicaria. Find out about his upbringing and his parents' influence on his career choice and how that led into property investing. Discover the story behind buying his first property and what happens when a third child is thrown into the mix of buying more property. Matthew Sakari is a successful mortgage broker and financial strategist. Working in both jobs, Sakari has a very busy schedule.
1: In regards to what I do day to day, I provide financial strategies to assist clients from their current situation and look at potentially where they may be going um, moving forward as a proposed situation and obviously adding value um, from what they're currently situated in terms of interest rates or their financial position and moving forward in regards to what we can do for them. Um, From a mortgage brokering side as well as a financial planning, uh, with the help of Jolene as well.
0: He gives us a breakdown of his day to day life and how work doesn't stop in his household.
1: It's always just reviewing clients' financial situations, so, you know usually what may happen is Jolene's had a meeting with a client um, and had a closer look at their financial planning strategy and I would then have another meeting just to give them some credit advice in regards to what they can borrow, what it would look like and um, it also allows us which is really um, important also the fact that I'm a financial planner. I actually can review the advice as well so there might be things where I say to Jolene, "Hey, did you also think about this part?" You know, um, so uh, it's like both people working on on one client situation, which I think is is quite powerful.
0: The whole Sicario family are interested and passionate about property investment
1: our um dinner conversations are quite boring they're usually financial <laughs> but um you know it, but we can't help that and, and i think at the same time the kids also listen to everything financial as well so they what we've noticed from their point of view is you know the other day um you know my son was saying how much debt do you have do you want to do some debt consolidation <laughs> you know or you know Things like that, I'm going. Oh, that's a good point. But you know, you need debt to be able to acquire property, so that's what happens from that point of view. And so, um, you know, they're always thinking financially as well, which is which is pretty cool.
0: Sicario was learning about the property business at a very young age, and the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree.
1: I was exposed to that too when I was young. So my my parents were Middle Eastern, so they they loved property, and um, and I'll I'll explain a little bit more about that journey as well.
0: His parents taught him about property investment and the possibilities it holds at a very early age.
1: I grew up at Mansfield um, which is a suburb next to um, Mount Gravatt over in Brisbane, Southside. Uh, I came from a family of six. Um, my parents were Middle Eastern, migrated from Jordan and um, we lived um, – Around about, if people know it, where well, Mount to Road, which was a main street, uh, which leads all the way from Rochedale up to Upper Mount Kavak Garden City, all the way up to Sunnybank, and um, we, my parents, moved from a, a normal brick uh, property on that street uh, for better, you know, it would have um, been about fifty grand back in those days, and um, they ended up buying a three acre block down the road, which they thought, for long term, would be a, a great investment. So, yeah, and, and that really got our head around buying and the importance of long-term investing and things like that because they ended up selling that three-acre block for um, a, a good amount of money to a property developer who got a town, uh, an approval to build, I think it was, 35 townhouses.
0: Looking back on his schooling life, Sakarya talks about how fortunate he was to attend the high school that he did.
1: I went to Mansfield State High School, um, which is actually one of the top 10 um, public schools, about uh, well, all schools in, in uh, Queensland. So it, it's it's really um, been renowned and um, in, in almost made the top six as well. So um, what we've noticed in that area in the suburb is that people, you need to be in that catchment. So that area has kind of gone up in value from that point of view, um, which I'd like to say to Jolene that, you know, hopefully it was, um, you know, we left a legacy um, in that last year of, of grade 12 because, in, in, in our grade we I, I, you know I was looking around we had some really bright kids and you know and, and you my, my classmates in there as well so it was, it was quite cool um, and and it was a good school and a good and good people around there so it, it was very fortunate and you um, and, you know, it was, it was a great suburb. Garden City Shopping Center was around the corner. So, um, but once we made that transaction, when, when my parents made that transaction, we actually moved to another suburb called Belmont. So it required us to travel back and forth to school. But, um, you know, my mum my was happy with, with that school and the, and the outcomes of the results which I was getting as well. So she thought we'd keep going to that same school.
0: He tells us about the devastating time in his life, but how it helped him become who he is today.
1: I was probably only 12 at the time but it got my head around, you know, this and what was happening and, you know, and, that, and that's where the passion of property investing has really um, taken off for myself as well as seeing those outcomes and how it changed and how it changed our lives um, and, and so many other factors around it all because my father died actually um, during that transaction. So, he had cancer and so yeah yeah but it, it, it's it's all of all these journeys in life just add different um, you know values to how you live your life and, and things like that so it uh, you know I saw that all his hard work and he finally got the goal but he wasn't there to enjoy it all but you know it, it was something which he that that's what he wanted to achieve and, and he finally got that from that point of view.
0: Losing his father helps Sakaria put things into perspective and
1: understand what
0: he wanted to get out of life.
1: It made me realise that you've also got to have a level of enjoyment through your life as well, because you never know um, what what may happen to you. Like he was, at, he was quite young; he was only fifty at the time. So uh, it just puts things into reality and having a priority, and also you know um, enjoying life as well and making the most out of it.
0: Sakaria moved around quite a bit as a child, and through this he learned the value of property.
1: It was just more, once that transaction was made, um, my mum wanted, she's always gone for acreage property, so we ended up buying another three-acre site over at Belmont, Um, and she bought that quite well and has now proven to be also another influential suburb. Um, Belmont's near Gumdale, which is, you know, um, high-end, two-and-a-half-acre blocks now, so um, it's... It, she's just always, you know, for, even from that property, when she sold that, she's bought another acreage property. So it's, it's just a, a thing and an in, in investment vehicle she likes to to use is, is buy acreage property to live in, have the space, privacy, and also long term value.
0: He went straight into university after high school to head towards his goals at the time.
1: I went to um, QUT, a university in Gardens Point over at, in the city, and studied, uh, I got into software engineering. Uh, so I was in IT. Um, Straight after high school, yeah.
0: Sakarya was faced with adversity straight after leaving university due to some unique circumstances.
1: That was a three-year degree uh, and it was an interesting time because I got in in 1990. Uh, I finished high school in 1998, so I started my first year in 1999 and everyone would probably be familiar with the millennial bug. You know, there was a, a lot of contracts being sent out, so it was really exciting thinking, oh, this is fantastic, this industry that I chose. And and, I, and and this was while I was studying. You know, you were just hearing all these six-figure numbers going for IT trying to fix this millennial bug. Um and then, and then I graduated in 2001, which I don't know if people are familiar, but that was the whole uh, NASDAQ crash with the IT bubble burst. And, you know, there wasn't a great deal of jobs and that wasn't really, you know, it was, it was just a, a crash from that point of view. So that happened at the same time of, of when I graduated. So made it a little bit more difficult to get a job, especially locally in Brisbane. There wasn't a great deal happening here, but I ended up getting a job after that. Um, but it made me realize how things can go your way in one industry and then also fall apart. So it got my head around that side of it all as well, that things go through sometimes a cycle. And we're obviously going through another IT, but not. not I think this is probably more of a different type of IT boom that was back in 2001. This is definitely here to stay a little bit more with technology advancing to where it was.
0: Technology advancements over the past two decades have caused a serious change within the IT industry.
1: I think it's more the hardware. Like back then in IT, software was there. It's just the hardware capacity was never there to match the software. Now it is. Like you've got the you know you can do everything on an iPhone where back then you, you couldn't. It uh, so I, I think I think. It, Potentially, it's definitely going through a massive boom with all these types of companies forming, um, but it's quite consistent now with, with the catch-up of hardware and software together.
0: A turnover events sees Sakara secure his first property in an unusual way.
1: I graduated and um, ended up you know, not getting the job straight away because everyone wanted work experience. So I ended up working almost free for the first six months and then um, just getting, building up my work experience and then I ended up getting a job. And then once I got a job straight after three months, I ended up buying a property. Um, more, it, the, the way it played out was my brother actually bought the property, but um, he couldn't get the finance uh, for it. So he said, do you want it? And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll buy it. And uh, I bought that property. It was actually funny. Uh, funny thing. It was actually on the same road, Melcovacapalabar Road, where my parents sold it originally. So... Um, <laughs> So I knew the area pretty well, and I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that." And um, so I did. So that locked me in my career. So once you get a mortgage, it's pretty a little bit more difficult to kind of change careers. Um, I kind of knew that IT wasn't completely where I wanted to be um, after I did my degree, and I knew that about halfway through. But I looked at it and going, "Well, I only got another year and a half, and then we'll finish." So I'll stick with it and see if things change for me in in the industry. And um, so I ended up working for a company and um, that did rolled out sparse supermarkets. So I, I headed up their point of sale system, and and I and I started to really start started to enjoy that. And um, so I, I did that for a little while until I got to a point where uh, I got another job rolling out software for salons. Uh, I was probably one of the largest ones in in, in Australia as well as almost internationally. So. And then I met Jolene, um, and we we got married and had kids. And that's when the ambition of me being content as an employee or uh, it wasn't really for me. I I was just too too ambitious to to strive for bigger things from that point of view. Um, And also knowing where I could go in IT. So that's when I started to explore other options.
0: Experience in his former industry was very useful in his future business ventures.
1: It gave me good insight in regards to. Our businesses run like from a small convenience store to a salon you know in the spa so it, you know and, and looking at all that from an, uh, a view not just looking at software and figures you, you understand and go wow look look what this business is making and because you've you got to see everything from that point of view.
0: coming up after the break we'll delve into Matthew Sakara's journey and how he got started in property
1: that property um, my brother found it and um, he couldn't get the money so I took that over from him and was able to make that work um, and you know we bought it for 195 back then and um, you know that was probably in 2003. Uh, was at Malcolm um, Provac Road. Palabar Road. It's probably the start of the whole property boom. Also, an interesting way in time to receive some news. And it was on that end of that finance day, um, we we're on the treadmill together and then Jolene, we had two kids and then Jolene turned around to me and she goes, um, I'm on the gym at Fitness First as well. And she goes, I'm pregnant.
0: And that's next. I'm Taran Shum and you're listening to Property Invest Story. What led Sakara down the path of property investment?
1: So that property, um, my brother found it, and um, he couldn't get the finance, so I took that over from him and was able to make that work. Um, and you know, we bought it for one ninety five back then, and um, you know that was probably in two thousand and three. Uh, was at Mount Quebec, Hullaby Road. Um, it's probably the start of the whole property boom. Um, I think in regards to it, all people may recall from 2003 to almost 2009, property was going in one direction and that was up. And um, so it was it was great timing from that point of view. Um, I I ended up um, renting it out initially. And then what happened was uh, during that transition um my my when my mum sold Belmont and went to buy another one, she ended up living there. So I helped her out, and she used to uh, she was living there for a couple of years as well until she found another property, another acreage property. So it, it was good. And, and during that time, uh, when I had that property, I met Jolene as well, and um, we got married and, and had a kid. Um, but we didn't actually live there. Jolene had a property also at East Brisbane, so we both had a property each. Um, and after I think it's. Only, it was only for two years I held that property, 2003 to 2005, and uh, I got a note in the letterbox and someone saying, I'm interested in your property, I'd like to talk to you about it. Um, so I ended up pursuing that after trying to work out what I wanted to do long term with that property. It was interesting because I've got a real estate agent value on it because I was actually thinking or selling it and, and uh, the agent said, oh, you probably won't get much for it, probably about $250 and I only paid $195 so it didn't go up a great deal. Um, but I knew the value of that property because it was zoned. Um, on a busy road you could do like a, a small office or townhouses or, or things like that So it. it. was just zoned low to medium density. And so I pursued that letter in the letterbox and, and it was from a solicitor and I told him how much I wanted for that property. We had lunch and I said, look, if you really want this property, this is how much I would sell it for, um, to you because this is what my, I plan to do with that property. And, and that back then it was to open up a, like an IT shop on a busy road.
0: Sakara shares a story which exemplifies how being able to negotiate is very important in the property industry.
1: And I told him that I said, "Look, you could do, you know, a, a, a computer store here, and, and, and this is what I I plan to do. So, if you want to buy this property, I would sell it to you at four fifty, and uh, which was obviously above market, you know, like yeah, it's spot on. And um, next you know it, I, I thought, oh well, that's the end of that conversation. Next you know it, at work." Uh, I got a letter uh, envelope at, at work. He, he tracked where I worked, and he and he posted a, a document to me at work. And it was an a REIQ contract with three fifty on there. And I'm like, oh well, that was better than what the real estate agent said. So he offered me three fifty unconditional. So it was a really strong contract, and I crossed it out. And I and I signed it back and I said four fifty as you know, and 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 I just sent it back. That's all I did. I did four fifty, crossed it out initially and sent it back to him. He came back at four hundred with another cost. I once again crossed it out and put four fifty. And then and then next you know it, he came back and goes, Okay, unconditional four fifty. So that was after two years. So that was quite a, a and that's where it it basically took off um, after that, from, from there for, for us, really, it, it allowed us to, um, it allowed me potentially to change careers a lot easier. It allowed us to, uh, um, you know, v- with the money which we had from that sale, it, it, it basically paid off John Lean's East Brisbane property.
0: He tells us what happened with that property and his perspective on the outcome of it.
1: I checked the journey of it, and it just recently sold, but um, I checked the journey of it. He, went, he, he was um, after it from a political point of view. They just wanted to put political signs on there. You They know, thought it was a great way. Of, yeah, yeah. So, um, And then there was a chiropractor beside me, and um, I noticed that he joined forces with them and had a DA for like 38 apartments. It was like five stories high. And they wanted $1.9 million, which they never ended up getting um, at all. Um, and it recently sold to someone else for $540. So, so, if you look at it, $450, he held it for more than 10 years and was only able to get $540. But I don't know what happened with that development because it's either they had a DA or what it was like draft drawings for 34 apartments or something like that. But obviously, no one wanted to pay $1.9 million for both sites. So yeah, it was it was an interesting journey to, and that's what I always like to see is, especially you know as you get older, looking back and reflecting and, and going, wow, that was a good outcome, or this is what you could have done. Was it best to hold this property, or so it's always good reflecting back on things like that.
0: Due to some of the decisions he had made, Sakara had set himself up in a very advantageous position at a young age.
1: Just um, you know, as well as having a young family, um, and 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 growing up, um. You know, to at that initial stage, because I think I was uh, 25 or 24. Actually, I bought the house when I was 19. So I, I had that completed actually a lot less. I was only um, about 22 or 23. And we we're basically debt free at that time.
0: During a lengthy career, there would be moments that can be looked back on as valuable learning experiences.
1: I got a little bit um, beside myself, I guess. Um, I, you know, like I thought, oh, you look at me, I'm a property guru um, type of person <laughs> and I made a purchase. Um, but what I knew what I was after. I was after a subdivision site. So, um, and that just kind of came naturally. I said, you know what, i really into subdivisions. After seeing what happened to my parents, I, I really want to go. And i still to this day, you know, always looking for subdivision type of sites as well. Um, it's, I ended up buying a block at Everton Hills, which I was able to subdivide or, or build townhouses. So um, it was an 800 square metre site. But the problem I did, I, I was, it was listed at 450 and I thought I offer an unconditional contract of 400, uh, which got accepted. And I was like, fantastic, let's just get it done. And, and, and I didn't even look at the property. Um, so I ended up buying it at 400 and... Um, Realised that the person who built the house originally actually just did an ad hoc type of job. It was a very, it was a very funny kind of build, and had all sorts of problems, which I ended up discovering. Um, and 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 that and that was a lesson learned. Or from that point of view, is just not to you know not to get too carried away on uh, on the fact that there's an 800 square metre site. It can be developed as townhouses. It can be subdivided. Um, to also look at the quality of the house, which is on there as well, because that can come back based on your strategy, which it did in this case. Um, because I, would, I was just looking and, and got caught up in the lane more than the house.
0: Sakari learns some shocking news and explains how the experience helped him in the long run.
1: When I looked at, you know, the strategy of putting townhouses and, and looking and seeing if that was a possible, or just getting a block because you could you could actually just put a fence right beside the property without moving it and you have a spare block of land. So I went down with that option. But um, it ended up happening all around when interest rates were about 9%, uh, mind you. It was, it was with Suncorp and it was at 9%. And this was around about 08, too, during the GFC. So uh, so it was a little while when I made that next move and that next purchase. I think I bought it in 07 Um and yeah, because I didn't really make a purchase after that because we ended up um, getting married and all, all of life, and, and had two kids. And it was actually a funny story. Is Jolene and I were both working in the city, and we used to meet up for lunch and go to the gym. And um, we, she was on the tread, we were both on the treadmill, and this was on finance due date. Actually, I, I put I put even in heels on a finance clause date. And um, so four hundred fourteen days finance. And it was on that end of that finance day, um, we're on the treadmill together and then Jolene, we had two kids and then Jolene turned around to me and she goes, I'm um, on, on the gym at Fitness First as well. And she goes, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and, and I almost fell off the treadmill. I'm like, hang on, we, we're going, the finances due today. Like what should we say? Should we say we're going ahead or not? And she goes, "Oh well, if you think it's a good property, and a good opportunity, then go ahead with it." And uh, and I said, like, "Oh, this, you know, all this, just you know, third child doing a subdivision, all of this," and uh, we ended up proceeding with it. And uh, that that was that was a definitely a, a learning curve.
0: Even with another child on the way for the Sicarius, that still couldn't slow them down.
1: With three kids, the time off. Um, for Lean, um, also because she was working, you know, going maternity leave, having a mortgage, um, because you know, obviously we, we used a hundred percent of borrowing for for that property, which was at four hundred, um, and just relying on my income, and it was at a time when I also was making a transition from IT into finance, where I got offered a job with NAB. Um, so it, it, all this was happening at the same time. So we we don't we don't move. Um, slowly but the thing is Jolene and i always fast pace and it's always been the case since since day dot and hence obviously we you know we, we had four kids before the age of uh, i was 30 as well so you know we we we, we did a lot in that 10 year period
0: after thinking long and hard about what to do with the block of land he wanted to subdivide he came to a decision
1: I ended up doing a renovation on it so we ended up subdividing it all um I went through a property subdivision project manager. Um, you know, I was doing my due diligence in regards to should I do it or not, and um, I, I I got a good understanding of um, because when I went in and approached this company, they said it would only cost sixty grand to do the subdivision. I'm like, oh, 60 grand. I worked on the figures. I'm like, that's that's doable. Um, ended up costing more like hundred and twenty. So the, the the estimation was completely wrong, um, and and it made me realise that the only thing Was from that point of view why they wanted to put pitch it down at sixty was that they get the job, you know. Obviously, Uh, so it made me understand a little bit more about things like that. Um, It, it, I I sold the block of land for probably really cheap. So whoever bought it off me, uh, probably did all right. I I sold it for one eighty the block of land Uh, because I was just I will I, I would say that. You know, we were in a situation where we had our third child. I was the only one working. Financial pressure. I just wanted to get rid of it and kind of put it behind us. Um, so I sold the block of land for 180, um, and then it was a matter of trying to get our money back from the property itself. So we ended up spending about 20, 25, actually no, probably more like 40 grand on renovations because there was all these things wrong with it. I had to do re-stumping, new kitchen, do a paint job, etc. And we ended up selling that house for 404. So all up, it, it was still a profit, but it wasn't a great deal, and it was a lot. It was really stressful during that period of time when we had our third child. So, um, good learning curve from it all. Um, you know, obviously that block of land would probably be worth maybe three hundred now, and the house was probably still worth maybe five fifty. So, long term, um, looking back at it all, yeah, there's some positives out of it all. But during that time, when you're having a young family and 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 you know, it was. It was it was pretty stressful period.
0: Sakura can still find the time out of his busy days to keep up with all his ventures.
1: I think it was just more just, um, I think it was just being a bit too ambitious and uh, just always trying to do something and look for opportunities. And, and to this day, it's always the case. It's just how I'm kind of, you know, you know how you are sometimes and I can't really sit still.
0: He provides us with a surprising tip on how he thinks more people should deal with property at certain times.
1: Every project um, we've done um, in, in the experience, we always kind of reflect back on. Um, and it got me to realize that um, sometimes you know, going through and doing something is not always the best outcome and result. Um, sometimes just leaving a property and, and passing it on to someone else to complete it can be also a good result. So there, there's many times, like even that property Jolene had at East Brisbane, that was actually a subdividable site as well. So after Everton Hills and the reason why I went through the project manager was that I wanted to learn from them how to do a subdivision. So I gathered all that paperwork which we did for Everton Hills and I applied it to East Brisbane and, um, and, and, and did the subdivision and the build myself. I project managed that one myself. Um, and it made me realise like the end results of it all and everything like that. Um, you know, sometimes uh, um, like before we actually did that project at East Brisbane, we put it on the market and we got offered a good money for it and we thought, oh, this is fantastic um, and and didn't accept it. So we just looked at it as a way of saying, you know what, we're best to complete this project and, and do it because if someone's willing to pay us this amount for this lock this house with the opportunity then at the end of it all it's going to be really good value um, and now looking back at it or you look at it, the initial value and it's like well I, it was I would have been better off to sell that without actually doing the project so there are certain things where you want to just buy and have the possibility of adding value but not technically doing it because you think that by sometimes doing it you think that you're going to actually be in a better off position, but looking back sometimes you're not if you can take that profit now and move on to something else bigger and better that's sometimes a better outcome and i'm not not saying that's always the case i'm just saying from my experience the things which you can do add value quickly on and move on with the better
0: So, inspired by Matthew Zakaria's journey and his amazing aha moment, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode of Property Investor. We'll discuss his strategy.
1: And I've kind of naturally built the solution of um, saying that, um, give me the problem and I'll find a solution. And it's probably more of a mathematical kind of outcome. The
0: advice he has
1: for others in everyday life. What I would say is be patient. Don't don't over. Overthink things or uh, put too much pressure on yourself, and time will do its thing.
0: And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investor.
1: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to eighty-nine percent off USPS and UPS.